0: Macworld Podcast number 278 for January 4th, 2012. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. It's a new year, and because it is, we follow the time-honored tradition of pondering what that new year might bring. Specifically, what developments might occur in the world of Apple. Four of my colleagues joined me to do just that. Let's get to it. I'm joined by Macworld's Jason Snell. Hello. Dan Frakes. Hello. Dan Morin. Good day. And Lex Friedman. Hi there. To discuss Apple and the future. Welcome, colleagues all. Before we get to specific technologies, let's talk a little bit about the company. And this will be the first full year that Tim Cook is entirely in charge without Steve Jobs looking over his shoulder. So do you see the company changing in any significant way?
1: I, I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, you're right that this is the first year that Steve Jobs is not sort of hovering in the background. But, you know, it's worth keeping in mind that, he, you know, Tim Cook basically did run the show because Steve Jobs was on medical absence for almost all of 2010. So, while Steve Jobs may not be. I, I, I think that the it's not too different. Right. In the same way, I think he's still sort of maybe hovering over them depending on how your spirituality is viewed, but his influence is still being felt. And in that sense, I think the Apple that we're going to see in 2011 is, you know, it's going to look a lot more like the Apple of 2010 than it's going to look like any other kind of Apple.
0: Yes, but what about in 2012?
1: Oh, yeah, that's the next year, isn't it? I'm still writing 2011 on all my checks. Also, I'm still writing checks. In 2012, it's going to look a lot like the Apple of 2011.
2: Yeah, I, I, mean, I, think it, I mean, I think what Dan saying is right, at least for the near future, We the culture at Apple... I don't really expect it to change right away because, I mean, Jobs basically built Apple in his image and hired the people he wanted to hire. And they they, they have always said the things he would, you know, when you go to an event where other people are speaking, they're always the same kind of thing. I mean, it's just really a reflection of Jobs still. And I don't see that changing right away. I mean, it may, who knows, in two or three years, once Jobs has been gone for a while and there's been some turnover in the company and, you know, people feel that the, uh, the uh, that, that they have room to do things a little their own way maybe it's going to change a little bit. it's it's going to be a few years i think before that happens I mean, if you look at
3: the the only public changes that we know about tim cook's leadership style now that he's taken on the ceo role it's been you know the, the two that have gotten any publicity are you know uh Reintroducing the employee uh, charity matching program where if you make a charitable donation, the company will match it and giving extra bonus vacation time around the holidays because everybody worked so hard in 2011. So, you know, to me, the, the, the biggest shift that we're able to perceive so far is just that Tim Cook might be nicer. Uh, which I don't think is going to come as a shock to anyone. Uh, but I don't see that as a long-term you know, change to Apple's overall strategy. I think the biggest difference we'll see in terms of how Apple releases go is that anytime there's a problem now, people will blame Tim Cook personally instead of Apple at large.
4: I think the last, uh, the last week of the year, Tim Cook was just wandering around the Apple campus. And whenever he saw somebody who was supposed to be on vacation, he would
0: shout at
1: them, why are you still here?
0: <laughs> the new That's Apple is nicer
1: and lazier.
0: <laughs> well, and I, and I do wonder about that in terms of the way Apple deals with the press, because in the past, largely because of Steve Jobs, I think that Apple has been very careful about what they say, has set up a very strong wall between itself and the press and, and itself and the customers in a lot of ways. is If Tim Cook is a nicer guy, do you see that loosening up?
1: I mean, I think we'd all like to think so, but at the same <laughs> time, I don't think any of us necessarily thinks it's entirely likely. I mean... You know, Tim Cook may be a nicer, I'm putting that in air quotes for the benefit of our radio listeners, um, CEO, but I think, you know, he clearly learned at the feet of Steve Jobs, right? So I don't see that necessarily coming from like as a proclamation on high. Now you will return the press's phone calls every time.
4: That's a nice evil voice there, Dan.
1: Sorry. You're welcome. Um, that's, no, that's my I mean, Tim impression. Tim, Tim,
4: Tim, Tim Cook is famous for being really focused, and and I I, I think that probably – I think the the culture is what it is, and, and that's not just the Apple culture but the kind of Silicon Valley culture where a lot of the people who work there are relatively young and, and, uh, and willing to work huge amounts of hours, and a lot of them don't have – don't have uh kids or anything like that and i mean that that's just sort of uh that's a very startupy kind of culture and i think apple has that and i think tim cook is somebody who is famous for being an incredibly hard worker and i think the difference is more going to be that that um you know tim cook doesn't seem like there aren't stories about him kind of berating people in elevators and things but it doesn't change the fact that um that he takes the work very seriously and they all work really hard i think if you learn anything from the uh from the Walter Isaacson biography of Steve Jobs, it's this—it's this premise that I think seems to be shared by, certainly Jonathan Ive and maybe Tim Cook too. That that um, you know, Steve Jobs' motivation just—he didn't need to go that extra step into being a little too mean, and maybe the meanness is what will be lost. But I don't think the drive will be.
1: I want to agree with Jason, except to point out one small thing: it's Sir Jonathan Ive.
4: Well, now it is. Right. <laughs> he can also – I'm just, just letting you know. <laughs> it's double oi
1: now so let's turn to specific
0: starting with the laptop is the macbook air the future one where we may see a 15 inch model or do you think that we're going to continue to see kind of the, the lightweight laptops as well as the heavier weight ones
4: yeah i mean i think this is uh i think the the macbook air clearly is the future this is the kind of product that apple wants to to sell laptops are already overwhelmingly the most uh max sold it's it's uh Getting towards three quarters of all max. It's been two thirds for a while and it keeps creeping up. And the air is, by all accounts, wildly popular. Um, I've been, I, my mind is boggled by how fast the, the airs are, this latest generation of airs with the. The core i5 in them, and the and the, and of course they've got the flash storage, and that the combination, you know, for a little laptop, it doesn't feel compromised at all. In fact, it feels faster than my iMac from only a couple of years ago. So I think they are going to push this. I think I think the general feeling is that most people don't actually need all of that extra stuff, and that these computers are 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 fast enough, and people like them to be as small and light as possible. So yeah, I think we'll see. I, I would not be surprised if we saw a 15 inch air but i also think you know that's the overall trend is that the the uh the heavier more full featured laptops are going to become um more niche products and not the mainstream and that the air will at some point i would say even change its name might even just become the macbook and leave it at that that it's the mainstream product of the future
1: yeah, I think I think Jason's right about the uh, you know the shift in it. I think you know it's interesting that we saw last year not only uh, the introduction or the sorry the revisions to the airline, um, but also the fact that Apple discontinued the just the polycarbonate white polycarbonate MacBook. Right, that's totally gone, which is one of the reasons I think you know uh, Jason's right about that shifting to just becoming the MacBook. Also, and,
4: it's and, Sir MacBook now.
1: Sorry, Sir MacBook, <laughs> um, Knight Commander of the British Empire. Uh, so I think that because of that, there's there's an opening in, in Apple's lineup, and there is this idea that especially because the, the MacBook Air is now positioned at the quote-unquote low end, um, at least pricing-wise, um, it, it does seem positioned to be the default for the laptop line going forward, and I could see it slowly absorbing – like some blob from outer space, the rest of the MacBook Pro line. But I think it'll be gradual. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, definitely the 15-inch comes first, and it might be a while before the 17-inch gets brought into the fold. But I think eventually that is that is the way that all Apple's laptops will go.
2: Well, well, what Dan said about the price, I think that's the key, is that back when the MacBook Air was, you know, $1,700, and it was clearly a different product line. But now that they've been able to bring that Air down, that it was exactly the same price as the entry-level MacBook. It just didn't make a lot of sense to have both. So now that they've been able to make the MacBook Air at the same price point as its its counterparts, uh, that's what's going to make the Air take over. And so once they're able to get a a 15-inch MacBook Air that's basically at the same price points as the 15-inch MacBook Pro, excuse me, um, I think that's when we'll see that shift. And then I don't know about the whole 17-inch thing. It seems to me that a 17-inch MacBook Air equivalent would be more like a lunch tray than a laptop. But, Guillotine.
1: Uh, Guillotine. Yeah. Guillotine.
3: Hey, way, a 17-inch MacBook Pro is a bit like a lunch tray.
0: <laughs> so, well, what about the Mac Pro?
3: What's the Mac oh, Pro? I th- yeah, I, th- I mean... <laughs> I was just going to add tack on there on the on the MacBook Air question, Chris. My this, I think that the biggest piece. Sorry, the biggest piece to me is the. It's not just how nice the form factor is, but it's the 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 solid state drives, which Apple's now getting more and more behind, and I expect to see that become a default and standard option, and not just an add on soon, heralded by its introduction in the Air. But on the Mac Pro side, to answer the question you asked, um, I I can't imagine Apple's going to keep it going any longer. They don't give it very much love. There's fewer and fewer people who need it. Its pricing is so out of whack compared to what they can do in an iMac. And there's really nothing that you can't do on an iMac at this point. I I don't see a future for it.
4: As they said in uh, This is Spinal Tap, the Mac Pro is not becoming less popular. It's just that its audience is becoming more selective.
1: I'm I'm going to disagree with my my esteemed <laughs> colleague from New Jersey, um, which is to say, I you know I, I think that there's a there's a certain sense to what he says, but at the same time, um, if you compare it to I think the best comparison is the iPod Classic, which we keep saying is going to die, but is never quite going to die because it does fill a niche, and I think the Mac Pro does continue to fill a niche, and one of the interesting things is that despite People saying, oh, look, they haven't updated it in so long, which is true. If you go back and look at the Mac Pro history, it's pretty much always been somewhere close to 18 months between revisions. So they just don't update it that often. But there have been advances since the last model in terms of faster chips, uh, graphics cards, and so on. So I would not be surprised to see it get a sort of pity update at some point in the year. And I I think it'll stick around, but it is. If you looked at Apple's most recent breakdown, it's something like 1% of all the computers it sells are Mac Pros. So it's still some audience, but. You know, for the most part, to give to give Mr. Friedman credit, the iMac is an extremely capable machine, and I think it is is taking up a lot of ground. But the Mac Pro is not dead quite yet. More selective, like I said. But although with Thunderbolt, I mean, this is the
4: thing: is that we mm-hmm. we can see now how the Mac Pro will go away, which is there will be, you know, yep. a- Apple could release something that's like a a, a mega Mac Mini. And have it the be mythical the mythical mid-range Mac. Yes, and and with Thunderbolt, you can get those video cards attached to it if you if you need to. So, other than the you know super amazing uh, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, and sixty-four core processors that they can stick in it, you know, in terms of the the storage, the size of that thing is because of cooling and because of storage of these of these big slots and for cards and and lots of storage. Thunderbolt can, can uh, handle most of that. So, so I'm not sure if 2012 is the year that it goes away, but certainly the writing is not on the wall. And it's, I would say there's an outside possibility that we're going to see the successor for the Mac Pro, the, the one that isn't the replacement but is clearly going to pick up those customers. That could happen this year.
0: Well, generally, what about Thunderbolt? We've heard a lot of talk about it and seen very little action. Do we finally see that in 2012?
2: A lot of the the uh, Windows based PC makers are finally saying that they're going to start adding Thunderbolt to their PCs. So I think that's that's going to be the critical mass where we start to see a lot more accessories now.
1: And I think Apple, if not publicly, I don't know that they're necessarily likely to go out and start pimping you know Thunderbolt accessories left and right. But I think it's almost certain that they're you know trying to convince accessory vendors and third party vendors behind the scenes to adopt this, uh, especially in place of things like you know, Firewire and uh, eSATA, that kind of stuff that which has, you know, always had a smaller niche. Um, I think that they're they're probably pushing it, if they're smart, Intel as well, and both of them are, you know, working on the business angle more than the technology angle because it's, it's a great piece of, you know, an impressive piece of technology, but we just, we really haven't seen widespread adoption yet.
3: And I will say, I don't think the 2012 will be the year that we'll see Apple lower the price on the Apple Thunderbolt display from $1,000, although I would really like it to be.
4: <sighs> yes. I don't know. I don't know. It's eh, probably right, but but I I think in general Thunderbolt stuff will become more mainstream. Lex is probably right that maybe there'll be some other kind of Thunderbolt display out there, but um, you know, it, it, by the end of this year we'll have much more out there. Thunderbolt will be a more realistic thing and a little less of a uh less of a a theory. And the good thing is there'll be a year's worth of computers out there that already have that port sitting there when that happens, which will be nice. You won't have to if you bought something in the last you know year year and a half, you won't be left out because you know, all the latest Apple stuff from 2011 had Thunderbolt already on it. Now, is
0: it currently possible to get a Thunderbolt cable that isn't forty bucks? This uh, is like
4: a this is like a reality question. show now.
0: Go, go shop just checking because I I don't know if Monoprice has them or if you can use a DisplayPort connector. That's no, you can't rejiggered. use it. To, you gotta have because I believe there's a
4: chip in it. I think you mm-hmm. actually have to have a Thunderbolt cable. It, w-
1: it won't actually work and it has little, unless it has a little lightning bolt on it. Yeah. they're very they're <laughs> very precise about that.
4: And the lightning bolts are they don't grow on trees, Chris.
0: Yeah. They cost a lot of money. Those lightning bolts. I just bolts. can't ink that in myself. No.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
2: No, all, all Monoprice has right now, I believe, are just the, the uh, Thunderbolt to Mini DisplayPort cables. Or so basically
3: USB and Thunderbolt to... Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah right. So, so
4: I can make that prediction. I think by the end of the year, we <laughs> will have Thunderbolt cables that are
1: available for uh, a at, good at, deal less than $50. Yeah,
2: At, at Monoprice.
1: I was going to say, and Monster will be selling gold-plated ones that will cost you like $1, 8 $1,000. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and not just the cable ends are gold-plated. The entire thing is gold-plated. Yeah, yeah, And exactly. it comes with it a monster.
0: <laughs> uh, so thanks to a single line in uh, the recent Steve Jobs biography, we must speculate about an Apple TV, and not the little set-top box that we know about, but a real live TV set. So is this somewhere that Apple really wants to go? No. <laughs> you, you, feel, you
4: finally cracked it there, uh, Chris. You finally cracked it.
3: I, uh, no. I, my <laughs> no. T- I'm willing to, to gamble and look foolish because I'm so good at it, but I can't f- envision Apple releasing an actual television. I can envision Apple really tweaking what they... Uh, you know how Macs work and how Apple TVs work uh, to make them bigger and better in other ways I can certainly see Apple making a stronger content play on the existent Apple TV than it has before if they can get the somehow get the content creators to agree but I although I certainly look forward to foolishly uh, eating my hat later I just cannot believe that <laughs> Apple would want to get into the business of making televisions
1: um I yeah I, I think that's seems right to me but at the same time I wonder how well I mean it, there's a lot of question about what upgrades can be made to the Apple TV and I think the the line in the Isaac in Isaacson biography he's specifically sort of talking about like user interface right because that's a lot yeah. of what's frustrating people especially about their television about how hard it is to to set up your television but I mean that's something that Steve Jobs famously you know he spoke at a what the D conference several years ago and said you know it's a pain because you've got all these you can't just be another another set-top box in some ways like that doesn't give you the kind of control that you want, um, especially the kind that that Apple likes to have when it comes to developing the entire thing. Um, And so I can see the temptation there being for them, but it is just such a crazy market for them to potentially enter, whereas the Apple TV itself, the current model is actually a pretty good device and i would like love to see them spend some more time refining that but it it seems to get fairly short shrift as it is right now I, I mean, i'm still yeah.
3: sad that the apple tv doesn't have and i know apple it seems that at least steve jobs's apple never wanted to get into dvr functionality but if the apple tv could do all those ah. things if it had a tuner and a dvr then i don't then it it effectively does replace the television even as a set-top box because you only have one device to do everything i think we can all agree it will have thunderbolt
2: <laughs> you know, every time this topic comes up, I want to react like Lex and then I think about all those people who said Apple will never get into the mobile phone space for a b c d e f all these reasons. So I I I, I don't want to be too foolish like Lex, but Take
1: his bet, man.
2: <laughs> but no, I, I I agree. I mean, clearly the future of media consumption is, you know, is is streaming and and downloading, right? And so Apple has to have something in this market. And the Apple TV, I think we all agree even though it's, you know, immensely better than the original one, it still has a lot of holes. Uh, so it, it seems like the kind of thing where Apple, as as Dan said, Apple has an opportunity because everything else out there is just a mess. And, you know, Jobs once said that, what it, what was it about uh, Blu-ray players? It's a bag of hurt. I mean, Blu-ray players are simple and easy compared to TV, DVR, cable, you know, media. I, I mean, that's the bag of hurt. But um, I, I, I agree with, with Dan, I think. Apple looks at this and and their mouths watering, thinking about how they could do it better. But uh, but the TV market itself is so crazy.
4: So I'll make a I'll make yeah. a wacky prediction because I I it's always you know I'm good for one. Um, I think that uh, we'll probably see an Apple TV hardware upgrade, um, maybe a couple different models. I think we may see we'll see some new offerings. I I think uh, some live some more live streaming um, uh, third party. Third-party API for Apple TV, so that uh, companies can write their own plugins and not wait for a software update from Apple in order to add specific content partners. I think that's one place Roku's really got it over Apple. Um, I'm holding out hope that that um, the ability to run kind of apps that work with iOS. Um, handheld devices to create sort of, you know, you can do like gaming experiences that are better than just using airplay that have some more intelligence happen on the device. I'm hoping that'll, that'll come. And I, I really don't believe in the Apple um, Apple's own TV thing. I mean, sure. Anything can happen. And like Dan, I'm wary to say it'll never happen because we've been surprised before, but I keep thinking that um, Apple's going to look out there and say, we are threatened by the fact that so many of our competitors are going to be making deals with TV manufacturers to get their stuff inside. uh, the new TVs that are made. So maybe this is the year where we'll finally see Apple put together a program where they'll create a version of the Apple TV that's essentially embeddable inside TVs. And we'll see a line of TVs from a major TV manufacturer that are marked as being, you know, iTunes TVs, basically, or Apple works with Apple TVs, not Apple branded per se, but TVs Mm -hmm. with Apple inside and iTunes access inside and do it that way. So Apple doesn't actually have to make the tv but imagine if they made a deal with sony or somebody like that 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 uh their tvs had it and then they start rolling it out because you know every tv and toaster and refrigerator in existence now has netflix ability in it and i think apple risks um risks not being out there and and restricting um their ecosystem uh so either they, they have to build a tv or they have to build something inside the TVs. I'm not sure everybody wants to just go out and buy another black box. So I'll throw that out there as a possibility that Apple might actually create a reference system and let uh, some major TV manufacturers embed Apple
0: stuff inside their TVs. Okay, so we'll look forward to the Rocker TV in uh, <laughs> yeah.
4: Oh Well, the difference would be that Apple would probably just say, essentially, here are the guts of the Apple TV. You can put the, You can pay us this and put this inside. Not not you can design it and put our media on it, because right. that's then you will get a Rocker.
2: Well, I think the the big question there is I've thought the same thing as Jason because, you know, like Jason, we've got literally five devices in our home entertainment system in our family room that can play Netflix. Oh, yeah. And that's a huge loss of a market for Apple because, I mean, I'm sure they see it as a huge threat. Um, The big question, though, is that, you know, Apple, when they work with people, their way of working with people is saying, here's our technology, don't touch it, we'll take care of it, you know and i I don't know how many of these TV manufacturers are going to say, "Okay, we'll stick this in, and then we'll let you handle everything else."
4: Well, yeah, but you go to one of them and you say, "Hey, buddy, you know you can be yeah, the only yeah. you can be the launch you know company that has these super snazzy things and you can charge a premium for them and you're having yep. trouble making money and and you know you can put we'll actually get to put the iTunes logo on your box, and nobody else can do that because nobody yeah. else has access, but you have to take our thing and just put it in. You can't mess with it and put your own skin on it. You just got to stick it in there
2: right.
3: I mean, I think Apple can get the Apple TV much more successful than it's been if it can, if it can figure out a way to get its pricing on the iTunes movie store and the iTunes television store to be more competitive than it is right now. When you look at, to me, that's that's the big place where Apple can make a shift. You, and Jason, you were just saying how Apple wants everybody to, to make their. If Apple's going to integrate, it's going to be on its own terms. Netflix lets anybody who wants to implement a netflix interface however they'd like to so like my tivo's netflix interface is terrible and the apple tvs or the roku's are both very good but if if apple can uh, apple can win and not worry about competing with netflix by the fact that netflix is on every single device in dan frank's entertainment center uh <laughs> just by virtue of you know not charging me you know, $10 to rent a, an HD quality movie or having different pricing for different for whether it's high depth or standard definition content. Uh, and I think it's possible. It's just not a, uh, you know, Apple, you know, I feel like with, with iTunes match, Apple's getting closer to saying, hey, we can really support a streaming video service. But uh, until they do, I, I feel like there's no chance for Apple, Apple TV to really differentiate itself as a Netflix streaming device because, like Dan's saying, they're everywhere. Well, Every, everything streams. Apple has no well,
4: subscription service either. I mean, this is Amazon sells, rents, and has a subscription service now yes. that's tied into Prime, and Apple does not have that piece. And, you know, are they going to do that or? or or do they think that that's not a, a relevant thing? The problem with the Netflix is you can sell Netflix boxes because people have Netflix and well, then, you know, mean,
1: or, or Amazon, right? Roku will do both. And and Apple doesn't have that. It's it's telling, though, that, that Apple actually decided to work with Netflix and put Netflix on the Apple TV, though. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yes. they had to make that deal. That was specific. Uh. And I think that's, you know, Apple saying, well, we, we think these are two different, we think iTunes and Netflix are for two different types of peoples or for two different purposes. I mean, I use both because Netflix, well, great, does not have necessarily the kind of catalog that that iTunes has when it comes to things like new releases. So I think they are somewhat, uh, you know, complementary in this particular, currently anyways. But I agree, I'd love to see Apple get into more of a streaming service. But I don't know if they feel like that's a a road they want to go down right now.
2: Well, since we're talking about content, I think the other obvious content Jason mentioned is apps. And I think it's a no-brainer that the Apple TV, given the OS it runs, uh, is going to have them at some point, whether it's uh, its own store with modified ios apps or if like jason said they're going to open up an api so that people can do a, the roku model where you can just sort of add channels or whatever uh, i i can't see us going another year and i've been saying this for a year and a half but i can't see us <laughs> going another year oh I know. Without, without apps on the apple tv the,
4: the, i can't believe the two holiday seasons have passed without apple having turned the apple that new generation apple tv into a game machine I, I can't. I still can't believe it because it's so close. And if there were some well, fundamental, you know, fundamental like apps you could add to it that worked with your iOS apps, that were just add-ons, so that you could have a couple of iPhones and you could have a turn it into a, a game console of a sort with iPod touches and iPads and iPhones as the accessories to it. I do think that that could be a huge potential market and and um you know i don't know i mean i guess they've got other fish to fry but it, uh, it surprises me that they haven't done more with that and air airplay is great but airplay has its limits because it's you know it's video streaming and there's some lag and uh and uh having stuff that's running on the actual device gets away from that and lets
3: it kind of be the hub and you know what's it's jason i think your point is even more valid when you look at how the 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 community of jailbreakers for the apple tv have very consistently been able to you know even just recently over the past couple weeks been able to get not just ios apps running natively on the new apple tv but getting multiple apps running side by side and taking advantage of all the different things that a larger tv screen can do versus an ipad or iphone screen it's i agree it's crazy that it's not there yet
0: well let's talk a little bit more about content um We see that this coming year, Arrested Development is going to come back, but it's not coming back on a network. Netflix is going to offer this thing. With Netflix getting into that kind of business, and I think this is largely to start skirting the major content providers, Apple has had a difficulty with the Apple TV because of content providers as well as in the iTunes store. Do you see Apple starting to explore ways to get outside the movie studios and TV studios to provide different kinds of content?
1: I don't know if they want to do that quite yet, but at the same time, the pressure is only going to mount. I think between Netflix uh, producing its own original series, which it's starting to do this year, I, I think it—you know—Hulu has been doing things like that as well in terms of producing. They're more like shorts, but they've definitely done a lot of their own original content. I—I uh, th- I would not be surprised to see Amazon get into that business perhaps i mean it's something that i feel like they might they might take on and it, apple might feel itself squeezed if it's everybody's sort of starting to try and circumvent the middlemen that are the the studios and the distributors so wow. I, I, I i
4: don't i don't i can't see it i don't think i, I think apple is a company that will make some partnerships and that, that's what i would i would think that they would do i i can't see um i can't see apple you know, funding, it's, a, funding it's, its, own buying its own programming, buying its own iTunes exclusive stuff. I, I think it's more likely that make they'd make a deal with HBO that the only place you can get HBO Ugh. that's not on a cable system is on the apple tv or something like that right I, I, th- I mean i Jason think that's one way right
3: out of my mouth i think that's exactly right i think you know apple has a tiny bit of experience right in offering exclusive content they have like the itunes singles that people generally don't care about and they've got the the garage band exclusive video tutorials that you can only get through GarageBand, but that almost nobody outside of chrispree never looks at and you know i I think that Jason's right. If Apple's going to do it, they're going to do it not by financing the content themselves, but just by making deals. Like, yes, if you want to see HBO that so far refuses to stream its content to any non-subscriber, the Apple TV will be the only way to do it. And I, there's other studios that I think Apple could make those partnerships with, but I can't see it taking the Netflix like we're going to actually underwrite the production of this series. I'm not approach. saying that they
1: necessarily are going to be the ones producing it, but I do think I, you know, I, I think you guys are saying basically what I was try, trying to go for is that there is a the exclusive content is going to be more and more important to these distributors, I think, as we move along because they need things to differentiate themselves.
0: So what about those products Apple still sells that we know is otherwise dead? And that means iWeb, iDVD, and possibly the iPod Classic. Are we going to see the death of these things finally in 2012? (laughs) I I will say definitively
4: no to iWeb and iDVD. We will not see their deaths in 2012 because we've already seen their deaths. They're dead. They're gone. They're already gone. They haven't been updated in like two years at least. They never will be again. They're dead, dead.
0: But they're still being sold.
4: Are they? They're being. Yeah. They're. they're <laughs> they continue to be included on the disc that you can buy in the Apple Store as so long as they're like still selling discs.
2: So it's like the toy in the discs.
0: cereal boxes, right? They're not
2: even. Are they even selling discs in the stores anymore? Well, that's my question because you can buy. The other iLife apps, iPhoto uh, and, and, and uh, um, GarageBand, etc. You can buy those on the on the Mac App Store, but strangely, you know, is anyway, not, no not iWeb or iDrive. I mean, iWeb is dead,
1: right? Because iWeb is basically <laughs> useless once Mobile Me is totally shut off in June, right? There's no place. You well really you can do can't. FTP, you can do you, FTP. Yeah, but there are so many other tools over. and there's no reason. It's and, over. and I think that was a market Apple never really even wanted to be in that much. I mean, that mobile me and homepage like hosting and all of that, I think that was always just a a sort of reactionary move on Apple's part too. Oh wow, this is, you know, there are a bunch of other people doing this. We want to sort of put our foot down in this market and then it was never a great. It was never a great competitor. It was never a great solution. So I think I think Jason's right. You know that that was. It's, we've seen them die for a, a long slow death.
4: Apple doesn't now. put out a press release saying we have killed these products, right? It does what we're seeing them do with iWeb and iDVD, and and to a lesser extent the iPod Classic, where they're letting them die on the vine and they will fade away. And at some point, somebody very clever who's out there on the internet who has a little script that hits the and checks for differences on certain pages on Apple's website will say, "Oh look, iWeb has now disappeared." And that will be the day where it will be officially
3: dead, but it's dead already. What I what I'm hoping for, Chris, on the especially on the IDVD side is if you take a step back and think, "Well, what was IDVD's point and why do they no longer care about it?" it was so I could I, you know, I think of it as taking my iMovie home movies of my family and then backing them up to DVD and making a cool-looking DVD instead of a junky one. So if I I can agree and respect Apple's decision to let that application die because DVDs are kind of dying and I you know the reason Blu-ray isn't a bigger success than it is I mean it's bigger than LaserDisc but nowhere near the size of DVD is because everybody sort of realizes that that kind of removable media is not gonna is is not where we're headed we're headed to a streaming based future so what I want to see Apple do is say. Now look, now that we've proven out iCloud, which obviously presupposes they actually prove out iCloud. But now that we've proven out iCloud and we know we said we're going to give you the, the five gigabytes free each year. But we're going to give you you know, a larger or even an unlimited amount of iMovie created movie storage. Because to me, that's the big question. Right now, I'm creating iMovie movies and I burn them to disk as backups and I store them on hard drives as backups. But I want them to just be available everywhere. So what we do right now to keep our home movies available everywhere is put them on YouTube. And I feel like Apple should own that part of the process. Give me an Apple-provided way to, to – as a replacement for a DVD so that I can store all my memories and not worry about them getting lost to a hard drive failure or Google.
4: No, I agree uh, with that. I'm going to – you've been agreeing with me. I'll agree with you. I think that that is, would be a great place. I think – and in fact, if I can broaden that a little bit because Lex's point was so good that I'm going to take it and run with it. See? Run. Um, I think uh, we have not seen – People are sort of talking about the the shutdown of Mobile Me and the, the launch of iWeb and, and viewing it as a, a finished state, and it's not. So what I would say another prediction for 2012: um, um, Apple is going to uh, add a bunch of stuff to iWeb or <laughs> iWeb. Yeah, it's back. No, <laughs> I are going to kill it and prediction. then bring <laughs> it back and to 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 uh, to uh, the thing that isn't iTools anymore or Mobile Me or i iCloud. That's Save it. Him iCloud, or Apple's gonna add a lot of stuff to iCloud that we don't know about yet, that they're gonna be adding. That, in fact, by the time the mobile me shutdown happens, I would suspect that we'll see things. I think a great example would be an update to iMovie that creates a, a direct kind of flow into a movie hosting system based on iCloud that shows up on your Apple TV that shows up in iTunes it's sort of like your videos you press the button they go live and you can see them wherever you are I think that that will definitely happen I think that you know movies in the cloud is probably going to happen depending on if they can sign all the deals with the movie studios I think I think you're you're gonna see a lot more happen um, in terms of features of iCloud than we've seen so far and that, that that will smooth out some of the anticipated roughness of the shutdown of of Mobile Me. I think Apple definitely has a whole second wave of stuff coming for iCloud. Call it eWorld dude. or yeah. i-tool, iTools or whatever it is.
2: Yeah. Well, so should, should we? Can I mention the iPod Classic, Chris? Yes, you can. I'm, I'm going to go with my prediction of two years ago. <laughs> um, I can't believe it's been that long. Apple, when when Apple has an iPod Touch with 128 gigabytes of memory. The iPod Classic will officially disappear. I said it two years we're, ago, and I'm we're sticking
0: getting close. With it. Yeah, but but about iCloud and the, and the further services. I, I you know we've looked at iTunes Match and it sounds great, and we looked at iCloud and all the syncing, and that sounded great. And then when you actually implement it, it doesn't work as well as it could. Mm. And I think a lot of us thought iCloud has to be right out the door, and it wasn't. Is well, Apple really in a position to offer these more expanded services when the ones that they
1: currently offer aren't? quite up to snuff. I mean, this is kind of the history of Apple and its online service, whatever name you want to ascribe to it, is that there's often been rough starts and people say it'll get better. And yeah, it stabilizes a little bit. But to date, you know, a lot of their previous ventures ended up still sort of withering because there are a lot of really popular web-based tools that do a lot of the things that Apple's, you know, promising to do. Um, iCloud, there's the one thing that makes it different is they're trying to make it a little more pervasive and a little more tied into the the base levels of the operating system. But we haven't even really seen them deliver on that yet because, you know, take an example of the sort of document syncing. Um, you can sync your pages and numbers and keynote documents between your iOS devices, but syncing them to your Mac right now is not – really working unless you're going to do some sort of workaround that basically they tell you not to do. So that's a whole segment of this that's that's not present. Um, I think, you know, we all expect it to be rolled out probably this year. uh, But at the same time, it does seem like this is following, (laughs) perhaps following a pattern of the way a lot of Apple services have gone in the past, but I think you know the fact that they stepped away from things like iWeb um, and Mobile me galleries and stuff like that does perhaps show that there is a uh, them admitting. Well, you know there are there are other places people you know didn't host their, their photos in Mobile Me gallery as much as they hosted them say on Flickr or on Picasa or what have you. So uh, perhaps they just decided maybe that's not a market we want to pursue in that way. But I, I, think we, I think we can all agree that, that iCloud's going to see some significant enhancements in the year to come. But the question is whether or not that's going to be enhancements along the lines of what we saw from MobileMe or whether they really are serious this time.
0: Well, I think they have to be because it's tied into the Mac OS and the iOS. So it isn't something that they can really present as a hobby and say, well, don't use it if you don't want to. I mean, they really are trying to drive... Content into iCloud, and they're putting so many hooks into the devices we use now that I don't think they can afford to just sit back and say, "Oh, well, this is good enough."
1: No, I would tend to agree. I just i, I question their ex- their ability to execute. you right, But I right. certainly hope. I really, really hope so, because as you say, they've they've invested a lot, and it's very device centric right now. And I think the things they've they've put it in some really interesting places. Things like iCloud backup, for example, I think is. It uh, makes a lot of sense, and it works pretty well for things like, you know, your iOS devices. Obviously, that's probably not feasible for your Mac, at least at the current way that it's set up. But, I mean, there, there are a lot of low-level processes that would seem to tie in pretty well to iCloud.
0: Okay. Well, we've looked at some of the things that may evolve over the year. Let's make the big leap and uh, see, are there any new markets that Apple is likely to enter and possibly dominate in the new year? The moon. I, th- <laughs> Apple got, will corner
4: done. the the uh, phone market on the moon.
1: <laughs> I, I one market I think they may uh, hasten the demise of, which is already kind of dying off, is the standalone GPS um, because I think. If I had to go out on a limb and say what iOS six might bring, assuming it gets announced this year, which I think it will be, I think mapping and and sort of directions, location services stuff is going to be a big part of that. Uh, and we've already had them allude to the fact that they're working on a crowdsourced traffic system, and it seems pretty clear that they don't really want to leave. That's a very important part of iOS and mobile devices in general. Uh, I think they they've they've depended on Google since the launch of of the iOS and the iPhone. To provide that services and I think they've really gotten to the point where they don't want that in the hand of Google anymore because it's too potentially valuable and to be tied to what Google wants to do with their Google schedule for updating things is uh, is really shooting themselves in the foot. So I think we'll see a big push from them this year on that. I think that will include things like turn by turn directions that are built in, especially now that we have Siri. Um, and you know, Android's been offering free turn-by-turn direction services for a while now, uh, and it's between those two. Once everybody's sort of got a GPS in their smartphone, I think that's going to deal a significant blow uh, to GPS even more than it's already done. Which is to say, it's it's already done a pretty good pretty good job of ratcheting those sales down. So I think that's one thing to to look forward to in 2012. From it's not exactly an additional market, but it is sort of absorbing a market into mm-hmm. one of their existing ones.
4: That's well. Though, I I think he, Dan makes a good point about. Um, siri i think siri will be i think siri will be modified to to maybe reach out to some different markets or markets that are currently being served in a certain way that we're that we're all sort of used to on the on the internet you know that uh is going to understand more and be able to do more and that apple is going to use that as a way to be the um you know be the the mediator between you and more and more data sources and siri will be the the, will be the mediator so um dan mentions gps the ability to do turn by turn directions and to do searches for points of interest and have that be voice driven instead of app driven as it is now to do um you know just to hook siri up to uh, third-party data sources whether it's uh that apps have access to it or whether it's uh through you know, web services to be able to get the score of the baseball game and find what radio station it's on or whatever. I think there are going to be all these different things that we kind of view now as being things you find on the on the internet that Siri is going to um, do for you. And there's going to be a preferred partner for that, presumably. And Apple will impose itself in, in there as a part of building up Siri. And I to, think
1: to tie that in with a previous market really quick, I think, you know, we talked about the Apple TV earlier. Um, I think, it would not be shocking to see a way to control your Apple TV by – if not using Siri on the device itself, which of course would require them to do, you know, microphone and all that. Um, but I think that, you know, I could see if very easily you being able to control your Apple TV via Siri on your iPhone. And I think, you know, especially since Microsoft has shown that it does that kind of thing, it's doing that kind of thing with the Kinect uh, and its Xbox 360 Um that wouldn't really shock me and, in fact, I think it makes a lot of sense and I, you know, sometimes I want to talk to my phone and tell it to show something, play something on Netflix on my Apple TV. So clearly mm-hmm. I'm the market for that.
3: Well, I mean if we're going to keep it all our predictions Siri-based, I would say that uh, – I mean I think that certainly 2012 will be the year that Siri comes to pretty much every device that Apple offers. I think when you use Siri on your iPhone 4S <laughs> and the more you come to rely on it, you realize you really need it on your Mac. I do more on my iPhone than I used to compared to my iPad because I can use Siri on my iPhone. So I think Siri is going to show up on the iPad, too. There's no reason for it not to. And then, you know, I won't go as far as saying that I think that they'll introduce third-party app integration hooks, API hooks for Siri. This year, I think that'll be iOS 7 in 2013. I think Apple wants to get it perfected and dominated first, and then they'll let the developers in.
1: By the way, Siri works great with iWeb. Or it will.
3: What
2: will happen in 2012?
0: I don't
2: know what you mean by. Oh, boo. <laughs> she was giving me these sorry I can't do that right now. Or, it's not. Or that's,
1: that's only because Siri is, doesn't work with Mayan right now, Jason.
2: In the future, Siri will be
1: able to tell the
0: future. <laughs> yeah, you have to put on the Mayan voice and then it'll work perfectly well. Uh, so good. But that wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast, where we will peer into the future and come back next year and see just how wrong we were. So uh, thank you to Jason Snell. Thank you. Dan Frakes. Thank you. Dan Morin.
1: Thanks for having me, Chris.
0: And Lex Friedman.
1: Always a pleasure.
0: And that wraps up this edition of the Macwell Podcast. I'd like to thank Jason Snell, Dan Frakes, Dan Morin, Lex Friedman, and of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac OS, iOS, and technology news views and information at macworld.com. Thanks for listening. See you around.